Hi, this is Dave Fiore. First, thanks for listening. Doing these podcasts is a privilege, and I'm thankful that these amazing stories are being heard. I'm also grateful to be part of a local podcast community that is both creating original content and listening to podcasts from around the world. To help promote Tallahassee area podcasts, we've created the Tallahassee Podcast Network, a Facebook page that highlights new episodes from local podcasts every week. You can follow that page for the latest updates and support local creators. We've also created a Facebook group, which Facebook now calls a community called Tallahassee Pod People that provides a platform to share your favorite podcasts, ask questions, and share insights on your favorite shows. It's a public group, and I hope you join us there. Now on to this episode of How I Got Here. I have to encourage everybody, when you come to Doe Campbell, if you're attending a game and the Chiefs are on the field, you just got to get in, you got to settle in a little bit earlier than typical, you know, end your tailgating in time to come on into the stadium. And then that way, when you hear this, you, you, can, you can say, okay, I know that guy. I, I know who that is. I know his story. So whether that's good or bad or not, you can, you can determine for yourself. And now, the University College of Music is proud to present... The world-renowned Florida State University Marching Chiefs! From Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here, a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners, and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore, and in this episode, I speak with Dave Westbury, the voice of the Florida State University Marching Chiefs for the last 42 years. Dave won the job as the band's announcer at an open audition the year after he graduated and calls it the best volunteer job you could ever have. The Nashville, Georgia native who grew up in St. Augustine found his way to Tallahassee as a junior transfer and never left. Dave spent much of his 35 years in state government with the Florida Auditor General's Office before finishing his career at the Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. He is a longtime member and volunteer at First Baptist Church Tallahassee, and his volunteer work includes eight mission trips to Haiti. Dave has been married to his wife, Janie, since 1988. We began our conversation talking about his early years. So you were born in Nashville, Georgia, Mm. right? There you go. I don't yeah. even know where Nashville is. Where is Nashville? Berrien, Berrien County, Georgia. Very, that doesn't very much south rural Georgia, the other side of Aldosta. Okay. Uh, still south Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my father was a uh, music education major at Florida State University, graduated and moved up into the south Georgia area, taught in uh, Albany, Georgia, and then migrated over to Berrien County, Georgia in Nashville, and that's where both my brother and I were born. Okay. And shortly after we were born, we moved to St. John's County, St. Augustine, which right. is the area where I grew up Right. from the time I was about two years old. So that's oh, that's really okay. home. But yeah, the birthplace, Nashville. I always say, I, I was born in Nashville. And everybody <laughs> gets excited. It's like, whoa, what a great city. And yeah. I went, mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you did grow up in St. Augustine. So yeah. what was it like growing up there? What was your experience as a, a young kid in America's oldest city. And, and it is as awesome as you could imagine because, of course, growing up in my years there, very much still a small town, not the expanding, burgeoning 
tourist destination that it right. is today. No outlet malls. No outlet malls out there. No World Golf Village, uh, those kind of things. But uh, a beautiful place, very much a community that looked after itself. Uh, the beaches uh, were just highly underrated, I think, by everybody local, but it was just kind of what we did. It was like I can remember many times, uh, any weekend, Sunday after church, you know, go home and eat and throw on the shorts and head to the beach. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, five minutes away. And it was uh, pretty amazing. And I took a lot of that for granted until I came to Florida State. And then it was like, wait, wait, you mean I got to drive how far to get to the beach? <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it was beautiful and uh, a very caring community. And I, I loved being back over there. It's, it's a great place to go and visit as well. Yeah. So how many times have you been to the fort or the fountain of youth or any of the tourist stuff? Yeah. You get you know, you get to go as a like a fourth grader, you get to make all those field <laughs> trips. And I think actually every fourth grader in the state of Florida gets to I think they do. gets yeah. to make that trip. But uh yeah, it's awesome and it's it's always interesting. I mean, there's so much history and so much stuff to look at and see and now you see um you know, your friends will post on social media pictures of them, you know, at the Castillo uh, de San Marcos or some of the other uh, areas in downtown, and you go, yeah, that's you know that's my hometown. That's that's kind of cool, right? And it and it really is a lot of fun to to see folks enjoy it and know and and appreciate it uh, like I did, you know, and yeah, having having grown up there, yeah. All right, so you mentioned your dad and your brother. So tell me about your family and what you know what a just kind of what was your family dynamic growing up as a kid? Sure. Yeah. Uh, mom and dad, my older brother, Douglas, and myself. And that was at it. That was about it. Um, grandparents lived in Tampa on my dad's side. Uh, my mother uh, had a very interesting story. She actually was uh, born in Honduras, in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Hmm. Came to the States when she was a teenager and lived in the Tampa area. Um, but uh, we were, it was a very close-knit family. My brother is three years older than myself, very bright and gifted. And, you know, he went to college and got a degree in chemistry and physics and worked for pharmaceutical industry, you know, and I chose a little bit of a different path. But at the same time, uh, we've both been very blessed parents that were uh, very caring and nurturing and took care of us. Dad was a high school band director. Mom worked at the local elementary school. Um, So we, you know, it was one of those things you couldn't really screw up in school because they knew about it before you got home. So, (laughs) right. So with a band director dad, was you being in the band a foregone conclusion? Yeah, pretty much. And, and I never gave it a thought, you know, it was one of those things that just, it just happened. And, you know, cause people ask me even today, knowing what I do in my association with the marching chiefs, they kind of go, you know, you're, you're how old and you're still, you know, hanging around with college kids. And I'm like, I, I have, I don't know anything other than that. From the time I could right. walk, I was hanging around the back of my dad's band, marching around with kids. And that's what I did. I mean, I grew up doing it. I did it as a, as a high school student, as a college student. And subsequent to that, I've just, I just never left it. I mean, right. it's, that's kind of like my, my jam, you know, as far as that goes, <laughs> it's, it's my comfort zone. So, uh, yeah, it, it was one of those things. Dad taught me to play clarinet, which was uh, his principal instruments, my principal instrument. I also play saxophone phone and stuff like that and wish I played now like I like I did that back then but right. uh, yeah it was just one of those things I, I never really thought about it a whole lot um, got through high school and was offered a scholarship to community college in Jacksonville I actually went two years to junior college okay. at uh, what was then Florida Junior College at Jacksonville uh, two years in their music program so you and got a band scholarship I, mean, I to, actually to play? did. To, wow. Yeah, to community college. They were building a symphonic band and a jazz jazz bands, lab bands. Uh, right. I played in those. Uh, you played bef- the sax and the jazz band? I did, yeah. yep, and played with some very good players uh, in, during the day. I mean, folks like Bill Watrous, trombone player, uh, Maynard Ferguson, the jazz trumpetist. Wow. Uh, we did uh, clinics with Chick Corea, uh, folks like that. They brought in some very high-profile folks. And it was a lot of fun as a kid. I mean, you're you know you're 19 years old. Yeah. You're like, man, these these guys. I know these. This guys. is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, had a great experience there, and then came from junior college to Florida State in 1978. Did you have any other interests in high school? Were you part? Did you do any sports or activities or clubs or anything? I was a world-class basketball player in junior high, Were you? and when I never got to, uh, never made six foot tall, I became the scorekeeper for the basketball team. So, <laughs> you yeah, pivoted. You know you're in trouble when the coach comes to you and says, hey, how'd you like to be our scorekeeper? <laughs> we got another role for you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my athletic career kind of topped out mm-hmm. with my 5'10 height, and uh, that was about it. But uh, 
always enjoyed it and loved athletics, still do. Uh, loved to be the, you know, when I got out of college and throughout my college years playing intramurals and stuff like that, I was always kind of the weekend warrior. But, uh, you know, after a while, it everything hurts and you just stop <laughs> and you retire to the golf course, which is where I am now. Right. Yeah. All right. So you finish up in Jacksonville. How did you end up at Florida State? What What was the decision in coming to Tallahassee? Well, and that's interesting because dad was a Florida State graduate, but uh, growing up in St. Augustine, there's a huge uh, orange and blue influence For there. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I had spent a lot of my summers at music camps and stuff like that at the University of Florida and had even considered going there. But uh, thankfully, as I went through my junior college experience, I became very familiar with Florida State's College of Business, a couple mm. of professors that I had. Uh, I had a real interest in uh, the business school here, and I was fortunate enough to get accepted to Florida State, came here, and went right into the to the College of Business and started studying my accounting degree, to right. get my accounting degree, which I graduated with in 1980. Right. Why accounting? Was that something you were, were you interested in business and kind of figured out accounting or was the accounting always the dream? Yeah, I think, I think accounting was the anti-band director position. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it was like, no, but, but seriously, I think that uh, it was something that, that interested me because it was not so unique that uh, it was limited to one perspective of the business world. I mean, it, it touched so many different things. And as I went through my accounting career there, I actually was exposed to uh, some auditing work. I was able to get a job, thanks to some friends, uh, with the Florida legislature in the uh, office of the Auditor General. And during my senior year at Florida State, I was actually working there part-time in the legislative auditor's office okay. for the state auditor general. So um, – I got a little experience, exposure to governmental side of accounting and auditing. Uh, I enjoyed that very much. And perhaps more importantly, I enjoyed the folks that were there who kind of mentored me at that time. And um, I was lucky enough when I graduated Florida State, I had a couple of job offers. And, you know, one was to stay here in Tallahassee and go to work at the Auditor General's office. And the other one uh, was to travel to New Orleans and live and work there for Shell Oil Company in their eastern exploration and production um, operations. And I went to New Orleans and did a site visit, met with everything. The folks were great. It was exciting. The whole idea of working for Shell Oil at that time, you know, in the early 80s was dynamic. But at the end of the day, I just I, – I saw New Orleans and I knew my – I know me and I knew what I was made of. I went, you know – I love New Orleans, and it's a great place to go for a weekend. I just can't see living here right. and 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 being here permanently. So I I, I stayed put, uh, which turned out to be a great decision on my part, simply because I just fell in love with Tallahassee, mm. and it's it's been home for me. I've never left, never thought about leaving. Um, it's it provides me with everything I could possibly want from a sense of community. Uh, from the university, the the uh, seat, government seat, the state government, all of that was very exciting to me as I was starting my career and the opportunity to stay and hang around Florida State and just extend that time there. And that right. relationship was was more than I needed. Right. And, uh, so I just settled right here. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to come back to your career stuff, but we can't leave the college years without talking mm. about your time in the Marching Chiefs where all this started. For Abs you here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um so you joined your junior year, right? When you came when you came in? Correct. Yeah. Uh came in, in the fall of nineteen seventy-eight. Um and it was one of those things where I know a lot of college students look and they say, you know, what do I you know, how do I need to assimilate into this new community of, of college students? And right. They look at social you know, social programs and they look they look at uh, different fraternities and sororities and things like that. But I kind of knew going in, when you start in with Marching Chiefs in your first fall preseason training and you realize there's 150 like-minded students who are there for the same purpose you are, uh, and then you are immediately joined by 300 other students who are returning for that very purpose, mm -hmm. you quickly be realize that that becomes your family, your new family. You don't need any social outlets to look for because it is one big group of folks right. that uh, love on each other. They appreciate each other. They work their tails off for a common goal and a common purpose. And of course, my love of music and 
the marching band and Florida State and Florida State football. I mean, you roll all that up together, and that it just becomes a no-brainer. Right. I mean, it's it's folks that are that are so um, engaged and so empowering to each other that it just it just kind of lifts everybody up. Right. It's, and and it was a, it was the best decision I ever made when I stepped on campus. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar experience. Came up to college all by myself. Didn't know a single person. Mm-hmm. Got to the first day of preseason training and or the tryout audition process. Right. And um, sat down next to the person who would be one of my best friends all through college and immediately was part of a group of 400 people mm-hmm. that um, – yeah, I mean, it, I, that's all I knew. And it, I immediately became bonded to the university and to this group from the very first day. Absolutely. And when you do that, you make friends not only for that semester or that year or that season of your life that you're at Florida State. Yeah. But those are lifelong relationships. I mean, you, I just go through my Facebook page, pages sometimes and just look at all the folks that I know and I have had uh, some experience, that shared experience with whether it was folks that I went to school with or folks that I have met along the way in the years since. And it's, it's just so much fun in terms of keeping up with folks and, and sharing your life with them and them with you right. that it, it, it's just more than you can, can ever imagine. It's a, just a ton of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's a pretty darn good band too. So. Yeah, it's not, that, that's not only that, – <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's kind of an added bonus. But yes, one of the finest collegiate marching bands in America yeah. and has always been. Uh, yeah. Some great leadership, some – the College of Music at Florida State University obviously is one of the finest. Mm. And uh, they have some amazingly talented people come through those doors. So I wasn't planning on asking you this, but how did you adjust? So you went to community college first, so you had a little buffer. I went straight from high school band mm. to college band. That was a major adjustment. There's a lot more freedom yeah. in the college band. You don't have chaperones checking in on you every 10 minutes like you do in high school. How did you adjust to that change? Yeah, freedom is a good word for it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, The college experience was eye-opening. At times, even even for me, and and I'm a I'm a kind of conservative guy. Okay, I mean it's not like I was I was looking to uh, to run wild and stuff, but it is it is pretty amazing. And of course, at that time in my life, um, you realize that you you get a lot of folks from come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot mm. of different uh, perspectives and stuff like that. Um, and you you have to just kind of take it all in and process it, and you know you have to realize who you are and and what you're made of and. And that's where I think that uh, still the, the shared love of what you're doing brings us together in, in these groups. But at the same time, you, you have that mutual respect of, okay, I understand who you are and you understand who I am and stuff like that. And like-minded folks, and, that's, and you find your way, so to speak. But it is, it is uh, like a cold splash of water in your, in your face sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard the term hairy buffalo before I came to Florida. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. That's Dave. a whole nother thing. We won't get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, one of my first road trips, the beginning of my second year was uh, LSU, and no better place to watch a night, be part of a night game experience in LSU. But we stayed in New Orleans on the way back. We, you were there. Yeah. Just for dis- disclosure, I knew Dave in the band. Um, sure. You know, he was the voice when I was in the band and we had some common relationships. So I, I knew him back then. I, w- I will share with you a few Dave Fiore stories uh, at a later podcast as well, <laughs> but uh, it was always a lot of fun. And Dave yeah. and I had some, some common friends and we, we enjoyed each other's company quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was fun taking that, but that is again, one of those relationships where you make them during your collegiate years. And here we are, literally 40 years later, yeah. sitting down in a podcast in your office to talk about that and our and our shared experiences. And that is one of the great things about what goes on at yeah. Fart State and with our Marching Chiefs For sure. family. Yeah, I, I enjoy that part of it a lot. Um, all right, so you came, it was Bobby Bowden's probably third year, right? Second year? Mm, we came I, yeah, in 76, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah, he came the year I graduated high school. So yes, so that would have been, I would have been a couple of years coming in behind him. But right. As you remember, the 1978 campaign was one that seemingly to me was the stage setting for the greatness. That, that was, was the road warrior become. season, That was right? the road warrior seasons, right. the things that, that we came in. And really where Florida State kind of came on the, onto the football map under Coach Bowden. 
And with their success, of course, came notoriety for the university and the chief's involvement of that where we made a lot of road trips. And I mean, for decades, there were bowl game after bowl game after mm-hmm. bowl game. I mean, what I was doing with the marching chiefs gave me the ability to to go to and participate in games that were at some of the most amazing college football venues in the country, iconic stadiums and iconic bowl games. Right. And when I look back at it now, over that period of time, I, I say to myself, I said, do you have any idea how lucky you've been right. to be all these places, to be at all these games? Those first Orange Bowls were a big deal. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, playing Oklahoma and Nebraska for the national championships, the 93 national championship game. I mean, that was just like you finally got that got that albatross out mm-hmm. around your neck. It's like, yes, we've, we've reached that pinnacle. Right. It was really cool moments. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So you – well – were you a football fan before you came here? Was that did you follow that? Did you follow Florida State or a football fan in general? No, absolutely, Florida State football fan, and followed really all their athletics and stuff like that. Because your I dad's to, connection, yeah, primarily? yeah, because yeah. dad's connection. We would, you know, when they were on. Now it's not like today where you you can find something streaming or something on every time. But right. when they were on, I mean, we used to watch basketball games from Tully when the broadcasts were there and stuff like that. And in my first years at FSU, they were still, still in there. Tully. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. And you see even somebody posted the other day the the legendary Les Henson shot, you know, Virginia Tech, wrong-handed length of the floor to to win that game. And I'm thinking – yeah, I was I was there. I was in the, I was in the pep band that day. You right. know, it was like yeah. you, you see those moments and you reflect back and you go, yeah, that's that's a lot of history that you got to got right. to live. Yeah, know? it's pretty awesome. All right, so you graduate in 1980, and the next season is when you you take on the probably one of the the best volunteer jobs in the whole <laughs> Florida State University system. Absolutely. As uh, the voice of the world-renowned Florida State University Marching Chiefs, which I will ask you to say before we get done with the podcast. <laughs> um, so how did that happen? How did you even – how did that conversation even start? Yeah, uh, interesting story. I had taken a job full-time with the uh, with the Auditor General's office here in Tallahassee, and I was settling into that um, – that fall, the gentleman who had been the stadium announcer for the Marching Chiefs uh, let everybody know he was leaving. He had taken a job down in the Tampa area. And uh, Dr. Bentley Shellhammer, who was the director of the Marching Chiefs at the time, kind of told the Chiefs and uh, some of the folks around the program that, hey, we need a, a new stadium announcer for this fall. So as they went into fall training, preseason training, uh, he decided to hold kind of an impromptu audition okay. at Chiefs Field one afternoon to uh, to pick a new announcer. So he told the students, hey, if you've got friends that want to come and try it out to be our new voice, uh, you know, tell them to come on out on this day. We're going to do auditions. Uh, same thing with the staff and graduates and anybody else in, that he knew, I think. So, um, of course, I was working in town and I knew they were having the audition. So after work that day, I drove out to Chiefs Field. I was just going to check it out and see what it was all about. Yeah. Um, a number of folks auditioned. Uh, basically, they were they read the pregame script that, that, that the Chiefs have traditionally used for years. And a number of folks read through it, and it, there was a lot of, lot of good folks, a lot of good voices, so to speak. But none of them, I don't think, really resonated with anybody or the, and the students in general. And Dr. Shellahammer kind of looked around and says, okay, is that, is that it? Is everybody auditioned you know, that wanted to, a shot at it? And at that time, there were a number of folks, uh, fraternity brothers of mine that were in Kappa Kappa Psi, which is the National Honorary Band Fraternity that I was very good friends with, who were still in Chiefs, were like, Dave, you, you got to try out. You, you got to do this because, <laughs> right. you know, it's like, help. Come on. You, you, you know what we're looking for. You, you know, you were just in Chiefs. Why don't you try out? I had given it zero, zero thought about doing this. So it's like you were standing in front of your mirror going over this and practicing. No, no, no. I'm like, really? And they're like, you got to do it. Try it. Try it. So, okay, fine. So unwillingly, I go up and I read through the script for the Chiefs. And Dr. Shellhammer was kind of letting the Chiefs have a vote and then staff would have a vote, you know, however he did it. He was very diplomatic about, about how it worked out. And anyway, long story short, I auditioned. They asked me to do it, um, and 
that's the last audition they've they've had. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, here I stand, and 42 years later, this will be my 42nd year, um, still doing it. And it is absolutely the best volunteer job you will ever, ever, ever want to have. Um, to be able to work with the outstanding professionals that are our director of bands and, I mean, through the years of every director that I've worked with to our current day directors, Dr. Patrick Dunnigan, the director of bands at Florida State, uh, Dr. David Plack, who is a very, very good friend of mine, Dr. Chandler Wilson, who has just recently come on, is in his, couple, uh, I guess, his second, third year. Uh, they are all doing stellar jobs. They are wonderful role models and mentors and educators as well as just outstanding musicians on their own. Um, but to work with them side by side and get to be a part of that, even if it's a kind of a peripheral part, but to be able to be involved in what goes on and the performances that the Chiefs do, I just it's one of the joys of my life and always has been. Right. I was going to say it's a volunteer position, but it's a pretty sweet gig for it, all the stuff you get to do. So you travel, you go to all, everything the Chiefs do, they're, you're – they can't do it without you, so you're part of the team, right? Well, they probably could do it without me, but, yeah. uh, you know. But it, not but, really. It's but, part of the experience. But it is part of the package, I guess. And, yes, right. to, to be considered part of that organization is a point of personal pride for me. Um, I, I love being the voice of the Marching Chiefs. I love being uh, affiliated with them and being around them. I mean, I'll go out on days and uh, they, they practice and just to hang out and watch and mm-hmm. get to know the kids and, and seeing them and interacting with them. Uh, they are, you know, like 400 plus of the finest students at Florida State University. We always talk about it's not just kids who are music majors. It's kids who are yeah. ev- from every college in, of, of throughout the university. I mean, there's engineering students, business school students, PR education, majors. PR majors, you name it. There you go. You know, uh, there you go. Um, there is a – it's a diverse group of students and they um, – work their tails off and uh, want nothing more than the appreciation of the fan base when they say, look, we are here to support our team and our university. We are, they are ambassadors that are recognized, you know, uh, across the country and really, as we like to say, world-renowned now right. um, as, as they have made multiple trips uh, overseas to, to promote Florida State University and represent them. And uh, it's just fun to be around them. Right. Yeah, the D-Day remembrances, Normandy, that's one of the coolest things I've I've ever seen. And we actually, our intern last semester, Molly Creel, was a chief for okay. several years, yeah. and she actually got to make that trip. And she said it was just a life-changing experience. Yeah, and I would, I would recommend that trip to anybody who can make it. Uh, obviously, being there on the 75th anniversary of D-Day was special. Um, if you, even if you don't have family members who are veterans or anything like that, um, the opportunity to go and experience that, it is a very humbling experience mm-hmm. uh, for which I am grateful. But yes, Florida State University uh, was well represented by the Chiefs during that week there, and they did performances both in Paris and in Normandy. Um, Later wreath in the uh, National Cemetery there, the American National Cemetery there. Uh, it was a very sobering time and uh, a great experience for those, right. for those folks. Yeah. Well, before we leave the Chiefs talk, I also wanted to give a shout out. You had talked about, you know, relationships and how that doesn't change even when you leave the school. For when I was starting this podcast, I wanted to have an original theme, original theme music. I reached out to David Plack. At the time, I had just met him once. I didn't know him well. And I said, you know, obviously I'm a a former chief and um, I'd love to use some uh, an original composition. Do you have any composition majors or people that have been in Chiefs that might want to, you know, create this music for me? And he put me in touch with a guy named Troy Bloom who did an awesome job. And we went back and forth a few times. He was great to work with. I give him a little plug at the end of every podcast. Yeah. And um, it was great. And it, it meant a lot to me that someone here locally and a former Chief was able to, uh, you know, write that music for us. Absolutely. And there's there's – so many cool examples of stuff like that that are mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, and Troy's a great guy, uh, and uh, I, I remember him well from his time at Florida State. And, yeah. And uh, uh, there's so many so many talented folks like that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you this. Do, have you ever missed any games? Did anyone Has anyone ever had to fill in for you? I mean, in 42 years, I imagine there had to be at least one time. 
I'm going to pretend you didn't ask me this question, and we're just going to go right to the next question. No, I have not. I have not missed. You have never missed. I have been so close to actually missing a performance, and I'll tell you this story real quickly. Uh, we were in Notre Dame, the iconic Notre Dame Stadium. Yep. The Chiefs are typically, uh, well, they were sitting on the field as a lot of the Big Ten style schools did in Notre Dame at the time. You know, the visiting band was down kind of on the sideline area. And it was a pretty good hike from where they were, where I was sitting with them, up to the press box for halftime performance. And being the dummy that I am, I I waited a little bit too long (laughs) to get around to get up to the press box in time. And I was literally sprinting up stadium stairs in the stairwell to try to get into the press box area and find the PA booth before the Chiefs went on. Right. So I kind of got to the... PA box and kind of went, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so it was it was close, right? <laughs> but uh, but no, no thank, sickness, thankfully, conflicts, nothing. No sickness, no conflicts. Uh, wow. I have I'm batting a thousand after forty one years, and hopefully, I'm, hopefully the good Lord blesses me to where I uh, I'm not jinxed now. Thankfully for your question, the, do you ever but, make anybody mad yeah. for uh, having to choose that over something else? Uh, no, actually, you know, it's, it's like family and friends and relatives and everybody else knows, you know, don't schedule weddings in the fall. Don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah, people get what they deserve when they schedule a wedding on, a, right. on a football Saturday. I'm sorry I can't make it, you know. Just can't do but, it. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I haven't, right. haven't, had to, haven't had to deal with it. All right, so this was um, the last year that Gene Deckerhoff called FSU football games. We're going to obviously miss him a lot. Um, did you have a lot of interaction with Gene up in the booth? Do it, what's your relationship with Gene? I, I do. Gene and I are very are, are very cordial with each other, and we have a little tradition of uh, when he comes into the press box area on game days to set up and do his pregame schedules and stuff, he has some downtime, and he would typically come in and stick his head in the booth where uh, Big Woody Hayes and I, Woody does the PA, obviously, internally mm-hmm. for Florida State and the stadium at Doe Campbell as well as basketball and, and other events. But uh, I would be sitting in there with Woody because I, in addition to my responsibilities as the voice of the Marching Chiefs, I also spot for Woody during the game. So I'm okay. up there. In the in the press box. So tell for people who don't know what that is. Tell tell us what that means to spot for the announcer. Okay, basically, I am sitting at his elbow with the roster and a pair of binoculars, and I'm watching the game and and pointing and referencing to who's carrying the ball, who's making tackles, who's recovering when there's a penalty, pointing things out to him on the field so he can relay that to the stadium through his announcing. Right. And uh, Woody has been a close friend and a great partner in doing that. We have more fun than we should during the games. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the press box has to be a pretty neutral spot. But uh, I won't tell you that we don't share a little bit of uh, some high of, fives of, of high fives every now and then as our Knowles make their way through the season. Right. But uh, great guy to work with. So that and that gives me something to do during the game. So I am I am there at his so in halftime comes, I'm ready just to slide over. You're being useful the whole game. Right. So I can slide over one chair and do that. And I've had the privilege of doing that both for Woody and his predecessor, Nick Minikoff, that I thought very highly of, uh, a a great guy who did the stadium announcing there at Florida State for so long as well. Hmm. Okay. So when I think of spotting and numbers, I think of that first game with the new Nike uniforms and you couldn't see the numbers. Did you have a... Yeah, that's That had to be a rough game. It's a mess. And, and, And people don't realize... I, I'm the I'm the complainer in there when when a visiting team shows up and it's something as sim- as simple as there's no shoulder pad numbers you know players with shoulder pads right. so you realize how hard it is when somebody's laying on the ground you can't see their jersey number unless you know right. they have their numbers on their shoulder pads and some teams with the new designs have opted not to do that and I'm like come on people come on <laughs> it's all sp- about me spotter, you have to get this right spotters are people too that's right come on. that's right all right so let's zoom back to your career path now okay you, uh, so you had already gotten your foot in the door with the office of the auditor general in college and you decided that's that's where you were going to go and you ended up being there what for like 24 years yeah I spent uh, 20. Two years with the Auditor General's office and a, just a great experience. Uh, we were doing financial audits, operational compliance audits. Uh, I had a chance to work with a number of different state agencies. As a state auditor, you kind of get to go out and and deal with them and work with different agencies. So you get a little bit of a different perspective 
on the agency operations and, and help them be better as well, as well as ensuring compliance with legal and regulatory requirements. So and it's not just financial auditing. Not just financial, right. Okay. A lot of it is compliance driven if there are certain administrative rules, policies, procedures, uh, even Florida statutes that they have to comply with and stuff, you would go in and, and help ensure that. And it's a, it's a, it's a role that the Auditor General plays uh, very much uh, kind of under the radar for a lot of folks, but the reports are then given to a legislative auditing committee for their review and stuff. I mean, they're a matter of public record, but again, not a, not a lot of folks know a lot about it. Right. But had that opportunity, loved it, every bit of it, worked through that, uh, promoted through as a supervisor, as an audit manager had responsibility for audits of certain state agencies, one of which was the Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. Right. Which then uh, eventually I was approached by the executive director out there to take a position with the department as the deputy executive director. And I went out there and spent my last 13 years of my state career working with the Department right. of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. So that was 2002 that you made that change? Yes. Yeah. Correct. So and, that's a pretty um, big change, right? Yeah. Obviously, you go from the operational side of uh, the shop. I mean, from the from the auditing side, the post audit side, kind of thing, looking at things in arrears, so to speak, right. to living it real time. And yeah, it's a different animal, but uh, a great experience. Some wonderful folks out there. And of course, the Department of Highway Safety covers a lot of things: drivers' licensing, motor vehicle laws, and licenses. I mean. Uh, registrations, titles, um, and of course the Florida Highway Patrol, which is probably the most visible part of the department. Right. Which was a totally different uh, um, set of uh, of operational things for me to, to take on, but a great experience and thoroughly enjoyed it. There's some stellar folks out there at the department do a, do a yeoman's job of keeping Florida safe and working through it and, um, and, and had, a, had a great time for those 13 years before right. I retired. And you also served as a communications director while you were there? I did. I wore a couple of different hats uh, through the change of executive directors. I, I changed my roles around a little bit. I worked as a comms director for a couple of years. And then uh, when I retired, I was actually serving as what they call the chief performance officer, which was to do strategic planning and performance management, building dashboards for monitoring how we were doing, meeting goals, objectives, and things right. like that. Uh, and that was kind of fun too. And that was, that was back to kind of wearing a little bit of, of of a different hat as well, but the perspective of looking across the spectrum at the department and the department's operations, right. a lot of fun there. So a total of like 35 years with the state? 35 years. Did my 30 years, went into drop, uh, served my five-year uh, time period there, and was uh, blessed enough to uh, retire and make my way out to the golf course. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, so, that, so you transitioned to retirement, so That's I know it. you're still still have your volunteer job with the university, you I know, do. still doing the voice and that stuff. Correct. And um, so what? how else do you fill your time? What do you enjoy doing in, in your retirement years? Yeah. And I, and it has, it has been great. And as uh, people ask me, say, you know, you retired kind of young. How was it? And I went, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, it, it does provide me with a lot of time to do the things in life that I feel like are important. And uh, I've become a little more involved in my church life, my church work and stuff. I've been a member of First Baptist Church downtown Tallahassee since I came to Florida State as a as a um, undergraduate in 1978. Right, um, but have been able to serve in a number of different roles there in lay leadership roles and committees and different things there. Um, I've done some mission work with a group of folks there that. Uh, well, I'm trying to think. I've been to been to Haiti now uh, eight times, I guess. Wow. Um, started after the earthquake. Um, so what have those experiences been like? It's it's uh, very humbling, yeah. uh, but yet very rewarding. We were able to work with a uh, number of local pastors on the ground in Haiti where we could go in and work side by side with them for a period of time, um, doing things like backyard Bible studies, door-to-door -door evangelism, uh, Early on, it was helping to build and reconstruct structures and and take care of basic needs. Yeah, a lot of infrastructure issues there, right? Yeah, the, I mean, the the country is is really it struggles because of a lack of of good political leadership as well as just a, a lack of resources. Just it's a beautiful country. Obviously, when you think about the island of Hispaniola, you think about well, there's the Dominicans sitting over here on the other side of the border. 
And then there's Haiti, which is just a comparing day, right? Contrast, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but working there, the people are absolutely wonderful. Um, unfortunately, my Haitian Creole is not very good, if <laughs> if, it, if at all existent. Right. But it doesn't stop you from. Uh, they had some wonderful translators that we worked with uh, and continue to work with whenever we can get back. Uh, COVID kind of limited us a couple years ago. Have have kind of put some of those trips on on hold. But uh, great work uh, sharing the gospel with folks down there, um, going generally a week at a time and doing everything from working with uh, medical groups to working with sports camps to anything else you can think of and just serving in any way possible during the weeks that we're down there. Right. You mentioned being a member of First Baptist, Mm -hmm. essentially your whole adult life here Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee. So what is the role of your faith played in your life? What impact has it had on your, you know, day-to-day life and, you know, life overall? Well, everything. I mean, to put it to put it bluntly, I mean, my faith and my acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior is he changed my life as a young man. I grew up with that faith in a in a household of faith, but at the same time until you have that experience on a personal basis, uh, and grow in that faith. The First Baptist community has nurtured me, has continued to teach and and help me become the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think that giving back in some way and being that role model to folks that you meet is probably the most important thing we do as Christians to share that faith with anybody who's who has an interest, who can that you can articulate to them what what that means and and who Christ is and what it could be to them, um, and help them understand that um, that is something that hopefully defines who I am first and foremost before I am any of these other things. Mm-hmm. All right, we've talked about a lot of aspects of your life, but we've left, we have not addressed one of the, oh, I would say probably the most important piece, and that's your wife, Janie. So how did you and Janie meet? Indeed, this is this is an interesting story as well. Uh, when I took my job with the Auditor General's office, uh, it was a number of years into that, and uh, there was a young lady who was working there that uh, we were professional associates, I'll put it that way, for a while. I don't really think she liked me very much to start with. Oh, come on. How could <laughs> no, she not like you? No, I see, I, that's the thing. There's a, there's a whole backstory there. I, I don't think she was enamored and thought that I was all that. Uh, <laughs> but slowly, we became uh, good friends and co-workers, and we, we actually worked in the same shop together. And of course, as, as uh, taboo as that might have been, you know, we're like, ooh, got to keep this on the QT. Right. But um, we eventually did begin a, a dating and a relationship and uh, to the point to where uh, she finally decided I wasn't such a bad guy. <laughs> that's and, uh, a step in the right direction. That's right. That's right. That's step one. Make sure they know you're not such a bad guy. Right. Um, but been very blessed. She has been a wonderful partner. We were married in 1988. Uh, she grew up in Panama City, but uh, went to school here in Tallahassee, went to Godby. She's a Godby graduate and mm-hmm. Florida State graduate. She is also an accountant. Uh, she is also a CPA. She's a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> she she got her uh, she got her CPA certificate much earlier than I did, and she kicked my butt and nurtured me to to get through and get <laughs> my you, license. And get through it. Yeah. It's like here, you, we're going to finish this. Uh, but she has been a wonderful partner through all of my entire life. A uh, godly woman who is uh, been kind of my rock and and my sounding board for everything that that we do. Uh, we've been blessed with some some wonderful family members that have surrounded us and and led us together as through our married life. But uh, yeah, I am a lucky man, and and I realize that. All right, so you've won you know a number of awards over the years, and including being a member of the Florida State University Alumni Association Distinguished Circle of Gold. So that sounds very cool. Uh, tell. Tell, yes. tell us about that. What I, it, is that all about? It is very cool. And it was something that I was totally surprised by. The Alumni Association does have a a, a group of uh, distinguished alumni that they recognize through a circle of gold 
uh, installation ceremony and everything on campus. I think they do it twice a year, recognizing alumni. I was very honored to be selected by them a few years ago uh, to be inducted into the Circle of Gold. Um, I'll, I'll give you an idea of the 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 folks, the kind of folks that were inducted in my class of of inductees included uh, folks like Myron Roll. Okay, so you know, not a bad guy. They're not a bad guy to be associated with, right? So uh, road scholar, brain surgeon, yeah, yeah, yeah pro football, pro player, football player, yeah, blah blah blah, yeah. yeah just, and Dave, uh, it's like and Dave Whisper. <laughs> but uh, again, my love for Florida State University uh, has grown throughout the years, and it has provided me with a way to to uh, be involved in, in, in a manner that I could have never anticipated, you know, 40 years ago. Right. Um, and I am just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm, I do not take it for granted that uh, I have been afforded an opportunity to continue doing this because this is really, it's right. really fun. And uh, it is, it is interesting. I'll tell you anecdotally, going back to my, my years and work experience, I would be going down the hall at work and a lot of folks that I know, work associates, uh, friends from work and stuff, and they never really put together the Dave Westbury at work with the Dave Westbury voice of the Marching Chiefs. Really? Oh, yeah. It would be it would be hilarious because I would be walking down the hall and somebody would be like, hey, Dave, so uh, what you doing this weekend? I'm like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, game. Oh, yeah, you going to the game? Yeah, <laughs> really? I, I think I will. That's funny. Yeah, and it would be like totally oblivious that right. I was that Dave Westbury. Right. And then when you tell them that, or and sometimes I wouldn't, I'd just, just let it lie. Right. You know, and then like two months later, they'd be like, you didn't tell me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry, man. That, you know, didn't. Right, we don't walk around going, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you don't do that. And and as uh, as Janie tells me, she goes, "Well, you realize that's like a totally different voice. You right. know, it's like that's your that's your voice, voice." Right. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, I, I get it. I right. Get it. They 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 wouldn't they right. wouldn't really have a reason to think about right. that." Well, I mean, in, as far as, you know, getting that award, we, you know, we kind of joked about, you know, my role and all he's accomplished. But, you know, four decades of service to the university, that's no small thing. I mean, that's that's a great service to to the students, alumni, fans, everybody. That's that's something to be proud of. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and and, and uh, I, I don't. I don't take it lightly. And uh, and like I said, I'm, I've been very blessed with that opportunity and look forward to doing it as long as I can. I mean, yeah. it's just – it's just one of those things I don't really think about giving it up. I know one day I'll just kind of wake up and go, yeah, I'm just going to go tailgate today and not worry about what goes on at pregame. Right. So until that time comes, just stay tuned. You can be the Tom Brady of band announcers. Yeah, I don't know. I, there, there's a, I have, I've actually met a number of folks uh, nationwide. I, when we had the privilege of being in the Rose Bowl, playing for the national championship. I met some folks from the West Coast that were involved in some of the universities out there. And there was a guy who had been announcing for his school for 50-something years. I went, yeah, that's not going to happen here. <laughs> that's not going to be me. But that, that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad. But, right. you know, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> not so much. All right. Two final questions. Sure. All right. Dave, looking back, what is one thing or person that has altered the trajectory of your life to this point? You know, I, I would have to say my father simply because he was the one who gave me the freedom and encouraged me not to necessarily follow in his footsteps so closely that I did what he did. Hmm. Um, he knew that he instilled in me a love of music, a love of education, a love of Florida State University, um, of everything else. But yet, when I first explained to him, even after going to junior college on a music scholarship for two years, that I was going to go to Florida State and study business and be, become an accountant, he was so encouraging and so positive and everything else and never blinked, you know, that I wasn't going to be what he was, you know, and everything. And it was, it was, that was probably the critical point in my time because everybody, that I grew up with in my hometown of St. Augustine just assumed 
that that's what I was going to do, that that's who I was going to become. Right. You know, I was going to become my father. I was going to come back to St. Augustine, be the local high school band director or something like that. Right. And I loved what dad did and I loved the impact he had. And he loved teaching. He was very passionate about what he did and loved every minute of it. And his students loved him and respected him. And even today I see folks, his former students that I know that speak so fondly of my father, which just warms my heart. But at the same time, he totally gave me that, that ability just to go do and be my own man. So right. that, would, that would probably be the, the, the person that I would look at. Yeah. All right, final question. This podcast is named How I Got Here. So we've talked about how you got to this point in your life. Where do you think here might be for you in the next three to five years? I'm a pretty, I want to say, uh, content with who I am and where I am. Uh, there's obviously things that I want to do and want to accomplish in terms of being able to impact people's lives. But I think finding, and one of the things I try to express to folks is finding a sense of community wherever you are, whether it's in your local neighborhood, whether it's in your local church, whether it's in your local gym. And, and, and I'd, have, I'd be reluctant if I didn't shout out to the folks that I work out with every day that put up with me every morning when I get up and, and drag myself to the gym because that's a community of people that, that lift each other up and You can say where you work out if you want to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm an Orange Theory fitness guy, and these folks are amazing folks. They are encouraging and nurturing and loving, and we share great experiences, you know, and we, we watch each other at our best and at our worst on a daily basis. But wherever those people are, and that's that's true whether you're in a, in a marching band in college, in a, in a community of faith at your church, your local community, it doesn't matter. Find that find that tribe and sometimes you can have multiple ones i mean i've i've got i've got a bunch of them right but there are folks that 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 you live life with and you experience life with and right now i i love i love where we are i love what we're doing um you know if i'm here in three years doing the same exact thing that i'm doing now i will be perfectly content you know lord's blessed us um you know i i continue i hope that i continue to have good health good health in which I can do whatever it is that I, that I feel like I'm led to do. But uh, doing that and modeling, modeling your life for other folks and, and, and mentoring as, as many folks as you can. All right, I lied. I have one more request. I have got to get you doing the, the Marching Chiefs pregame announcement. Sure. So if you can do that for us, that's right. So that'd be great. I have to encourage everybody, when you come to Doak Campbell, if you're attending a game and the Chiefs are on the field, you just got to get in. You got to settle in a little bit earlier than typical, you know, end your tailgating in time to come on into the stadium. And then that way, when you hear this, you, you, can, you can say, okay, I know that guy. I, I know who that is. I know his story. So whether that's good or bad or not, you can, <laughs> you can determine for yourself. And now the University College of Music is proud to present the world-renowned Florida State University Merchant. Chiefs. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications, who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fioricommunications.com. <laughs>